Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. We've got Brian Fontaine from Pro Football Focus coming up in about 10 minutes. Let's get it going, guys. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it straight from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need the same music. No one man should have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. The system broken, the school closed, the prison's open. We ain't got one bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. is live from Indianapolis, Indiana, Friday, the 22nd day of April 2011. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Red vs. Blue High Stakes Fantasy Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football, and as always, I'm joined by the big blue co-host himself from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent, and Mike... Finally, the uh, NFL schedules were released to the world, and it looks like the season's starting. Saints at Packers. Pick a winner, buddy. I, I'll tell you what. I, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited. Uh, thanks, everybody, first off, uh, for joining us. Uh, it's going to be a fun show tonight. Uh, the schedule is uh, wild. Uh, it, you know, they, they nailed everything as far as uh, the Monday night games, the Sunday night games. It seems like a lot of the uh, later in the season, the Sunday night and uh, Monday night games are going to be kind of lame. But uh, as far as that first game, I, I don't know. Packers, Packers sounds good. Yeah, it's going to be hard to uh, to beat a team in Green Bay on opening night. If any team can do it, I guess it's going to be the Saints. A lot will depend on 
the quality of that uh, ground game. And, you know, of course, that defense just completely fell apart in the playoffs with uh, beast mode running all over them. And Matt Hasselback just completely lit up that secondary. So they've obviously got to do uh, and make some big moves there. Uh, everybody, we're streaming live on thefantasysportschannel.com. Mark Ronick and the guys over at the Fantasy Sports Channel, FSC.FM for short. They've done a great job streaming 24 hours a day, seven days a week, fantasy football for all you nuts and crazies like we are. And uh, we're just happy to be involved. We are streaming also live on iTunes Radio. Uh, we've got a good thing going there. So if you have um, iTunes for your iPod or your MP3 player, and you also, uh, you know, maybe you have Apple TV, uh, you know, feel free to uh, download the podcast or stream it live while you kick back in the bed, uh, you know, your favorite beverage, and uh, just sit back for the next 60 minutes. Uh, Mike and I are going to talk a little bit about high-stakes fantasy football, some big announcements coming from the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Dave Gerzak and Alex Kaganowski, uh, in their fourth year of the contest. Uh, we're excited to hear what they have to say. There's some rumors floating around. Uh, I won't go into too much of that, but I'm just kind of uh, excited to see what they have to say there. Uh, the National Fantasy Football Championship, Mike, they announced uh, that they are going to be entering uh, Las Vegas uh, the weekend, the opening kickoff weekend, and putting a couple of events right there on the uh, on the strip at the Bellagio uh, for the opening weekend. Head-to-head, by the way, on Friday and Saturday, they're going to have drafts on Friday, which go up against the FFPC. And then we're going to have drafts on Saturday that go head-to-head against the World Championship of Fantasy Football. And I'm like, you would think if you're going on that weekend, you know, you might try to uh, make things a little more, uh, rather than going head-to-head right out of the gate, you might you might kind of go with the FFPC and go, and go on a different day, maybe that Thursday, or maybe even, uh, you know, do something like uh, time it out so that it's not in competition with those other big-time drafts. Well, you know what, Scott, I think uh, when you're uh... – when you have fun like we do at this type of stuff, uh, you're going to go in every direction you can. You're going to find, it, you know, it's just like betting baseball, football, whatever. You're going to hedge your bet. You might go over to this event and say, hey, let me uh, let me join this one and see what happens. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people uh, in Las Vegas at that time going with uh, a lot of different competitions and not minding it as long as they get paid, uh, not not minding uh, what they're doing and uh, just having fun and what they're doing. And so it would be uh, it'd be kind of interesting to track if uh, we could have somebody that goes in all three directions and can maybe have a chance of sweeping the board. 347-324-5404 is the number to call in, Red versus Blue. We'll get you on the air and asking a question uh, of Mike or myself or of our guest. Uh, Brian Fontaine is our guest tonight from ProFootballFocus.com. I've been talking about uh, this site for the last couple of weeks with all the information they have available. And, uh, yeah, Brian, I've been trying to uh, align our schedule to get Brian on the show. and he, uh, he will be on later today, so feel free to call him up and ask any questions about his rankings. You can go to ProFootballFocus.com right now, and they've got them right there on the right-hand side of the main page. They've got redraft rankings uh, that they've put together. Um, Mike Clay has put those together, and then Brian worked really hard on the dynasty rankings. Well, I don't know about how how hard he worked. We'll ask him, I guess. 
uh, on the yeah. dynasty rankings. I can tell you, I can tell you, they do take work. Dynasty rankings to keep updated, they take a lot of work. It, lo- it looks good, Scott. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, I think everybody that's uh, joining us will, uh, you know, they'll love to uh, kind of look at the rankings, maybe critique the rankings, uh, maybe have your own rankings, and uh, you know, maybe have some uh, questions for Brian uh, when he comes on. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. We've got a good uh, chat room. We we especially refer to the chat room. The crew here at Red vs. Blue, Azuri, Donnie T. Uh, Brian's in the chat room. Leroy's aces, Taz, and War Kittens, along with a slew of guests uh, listening in. Uh, if you have any questions during the season or during the off season for trade advice, maybe you don't want to get on the air, maybe you're not quite ready to call and be a first-time caller, uh, feel free to chat in the, ta- uh, in the chat room and ask those questions. Some of the best high-stakes fantasy players, a lot of the, the show's, that you hear on the Fantasy Sports Channel, some of the hosts, they'll be in the chat room uh, every week. So there's lots of good information and people that can help you. Sure, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to jump in. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, you've made uh, you've made quite a few trades, uh, especially in the uh, PDFFL and the uh, Hyper 3. Um, and I'm just kind of curious as to uh, – What's your angle in either league, uh, whether it be the PDFFL or the Hyper 3? Uh, what what angle have you taken? Because it's almost like it's like I'm giving up, but I'm coming back. So, uh, you know, if you don't mind, could you spend uh, three, four minutes just, you know, tell us about your trades and uh, what you've done? Huh. Oh, Mike, you know what? I don't uh, – reckless abandon is the word that comes to mind. You know what? If I don't win the league and I don't feel like I'm moving in that direction, I'm going to cut losses as soon as possible and say, you know what, this team as it sits right here isn't going to get it done, and so I'm going to uh, go the other direction and try to make something happen. Now, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about my trades here in a little bit. Um, I, I have a couple of them that I want to talk about uh, based on – some of the things we'll probably talk to uh, Brian about. Let's go ahead and get Brian on the, well, let's see. I've got some issues with the chat room here. Let's see why or, or the, uh, the switchboard has been having some errors, so bear with me while I try to get Brian uh, in. I was afraid this was going to happen. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, there we go. We've got him right there. Brian, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Scott. How you doing? Cool. Man, I was getting worried there a little bit. Uh, Blog Talk Radio has been having a couple of bugs, and, uh, when I tried to log in, it wasn't uh, it wasn't showing you on the switchboard. So glad you are here, and uh, welcome to Red vs. Blue, the first time you've been on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be on talking with you guys, talking. Uh, uh, I don't do as much high stakes as you guys do, but yeah, Dynasty Leagues are my thing, and uh, I try to tune in uh, any Friday night I've got free, and uh, let's talk some football. Sounds good, Brian. Glad to have you, man. Well, Brian, listen, we've uh, we we have talked about pro football focus for a little bit here. The uh the owners that play in high stakes fantasy football, you can imagine they're all addicts. Uh these are the guys that look at this stuff year round and, and the high stakes arena just recently entered the dynasty realm with the advent of uh the fantasy football players championship dynasty leagues. Uh they came around very quick rundown of those leagues. It's a twenty man roster. It makes it very difficult because usually dynasties you like to enjoy that 30-man roster or or larger where you can really stockpile on some picks. Uh, the, the requirements for the lineup, Brian, are one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, kicker, defense, and two flex. And you can uh, you can do you can do three tight ends. The tight ends have an extra added value in this league 
of one and a half points per reception. So you can imagine that, you know, the Finleys and uh, the Wittens and these Gates guys, they went pretty early in these inaugural drafts, but they are extra important uh, in the FFPC Dynasty League. So I noticed you have your Dynasty rankings out, so that's kind of why I wanted to get your uh, your feedback. The interesting thing that I found about your rankings is you're not afraid to go ahead and put the rookies, the rookie draft. A lot of these guys, they'll put a separate rookie draft uh, rankings together. You guys decided to go one step further and incorporate it into the rankings. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I wanted, I wanted to uh, – we've all been uh, at Pro Football Focus, especially the uh, PFF fantasy section. Uh, myself, Mike Clay, and a couple of the other guys, we're getting we're getting ready to roll out as soon as the draft uh, where we know some of these rookies are going to be. And I just kind of wanted to slot some of those guys in where uh, I was starting to get a sense. And obviously we have no idea what, what team any of these guys are going to be on, but um, – and, and, you know, you, we can't really factor in situations, but um, I do believe I've got A.J. Green and uh, Mark Ingram fairly high, at least within the top 20 within their position without even playing it down in the, in, uh, in the NFL. So I'm, I'm high on both those guys, but I just kind of wanted to give everybody kind of a sense on, on where they could get slotted in. And then, um, you know, once we know where these guys are, you know, I'll be ready probably Saturday afternoon to start updating my numbers, and I'll probably have a, a dynasty update probably by Saturday night, Sunday. So just rare I go. 347 is the number if you want to call in and talk to Brian about the rankings. I came up with a, a quick initial list of, uh, of things that I found that were particularly interesting to the, to the general public here. Um, Austin Colley at number 14 wide receiver overall. Should we be buying? Now, you know, it's interesting that you and Mike, uh, your your cohort there, he seems to be really high on Austin as, or, or Austin Collie as well. He has him at number five in the redraft rankings. Talk about Austin Collie a little bit. What do you guys see there and the whole concussion factor that seems to be uh, bringing his value down considerably? Yeah, I, I've got him knocked down a little bit further than Mike. Um, I use a lot of Mike's projections in my rankings. It's It's one of the small portions. Uh, another thing I look at is age. If you look at my rankings, I've got the up-to-date uh, age right for the decimal point. Um, I, I consider I, I look to look at uh, productive years left. I'm looking at team situations, uh, quality starts. There's a, there's a lot of different things that go into my rankings, but I, I do have them dinged a little bit for the, the concussions. But, I mean, you can't deny what this guy did when he was on the field. I mean, he, he probably would have finished as the number one PPR wide receiver had he had he played the entire uh, the entire season, uh, the, you know we, the great thing about having the, the premium stats that we do, you can kind of break down. Uh, you take the fantasy numbers, you can kind of compare them to what he's doing with with targets, with with snaps, with pass routes. That's all stuff that we have at our site, which is great to have at your disposal. Every time this guy ran a pass route, Peyton Manning looked his way 24% of the time, so he he's looking for him very often. Uh, he caught 82% of all the targets that, of the passes he ran out of the slot. I mean, this guy, he's not just a slot guy, but he's very efficient in the slot. And if you factor out his fantasy points scored based on the number of snaps that he played, obviously he didn't play the whole season. He came in number two in the NFL last year behind Jerome Simpson. Jerome Simpson had .42 fantasy points per snap. Austin Colley was right there at number two with .4. Uh, and that's on a point 
per snap basis. I mean, that's just unheard of production. Obviously, if Jerome Simpson's on a lot of sleeper lists uh, going into the season, but those just those numbers back up Collie, and um, you know, I, I might move him back up a little bit. But uh, I'm be, I think I'm actually being a little conservative, having him in that in the mid-teens range, especially with with Mike Clay having him at number five. That's the kind of analysis, Mike, that you're going to get at ProFootballFocus.com. It's not as much about opinion and conjecture as it is about statistical analysis from every different angle you could possibly imagine, and you can just soak it up like a sponge over there, Mike. That's what I love about it. Another guy that you have ranked high is Brandon Lloyd, number 13 wide receiver overall. Now, a lot of us last year, you know, you got the big weeks going on, and you, I, I decided to sell early. You know, let's cut it while the getting's good, and I'm going to get me a nice, uh, promising young running back like uh, Chris Ivory. Well, Brandon Lloyd continued doing what he was doing, and some of the stats that you guys put together on Brandon Lloyd absolutely blow my mind. Talk about Mr. Lloyd. Uh, I I tell you, Scott, I'm right there with you. I I was late to the bandwagon on this guy, and, you know, right when he was available, I mean, he he wasn't drafted in maybe 0.1% of fantasy leagues out there. Um, you know, it, it took me about five or six weeks to come around on him, and by then n- nobody was selling him at that point, or at least nothing that was that was worth getting. But you know, I kind of really took a look at you know at the end of the season, looked at the numbers, looked at actually some surprising numbers that, that from 2009 that you know had I been looking at him, you know he may have actually been on my radar radar last year. I mean, it's kind of easy to say in, in retrospect, but. You know, age-wise, I mean, everybody seems to think that, you know, he's a, he is a one-hit wonder at this point. But age-wise, he's only four months older than Roddy White, and he's the same exact age as Andre Johnson. Both those guys are still considered premier wide receivers in the league. So I don't see any reason why Lloyd is going to fall off. I know a lot of people have concerns, uh, possibly Tim Tebow being his quarterback. But, again, you look at the – you crunch the numbers, Scott, like you just mentioned, 76 76- – percent of this guy's targets were past 10 yards. This guy is a downfield threat that includes 28 percent of those that were over 20 yards. Um, you know, he's just, he, they get him the ball down the field. He's acrobatic. He can, he can make the big play. Um, again, this guy is targeted quite frequently, 24 percent of the time. He runs a pass route. That's one of the tops in the, among all wide receivers. Finished eighth in fantasy points per snap. And uh, like I just mentioned, with number one and number two, Simpson and Cawley, I mean, Lloyd is right there, finishes the number two wide receiver. I, I really don't see any reason this guy's going to fall off. Another thing well, you I mentioned. Think, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to jump in here real quick, Scott. I, I got a good question, uh, I think. Uh, and, you know, making a lot of good points there. Uh, how much do you think that the uh, the draft coming up next weekend uh, – how much do you think that's going to affect the rankings of uh, what you have here? Because I'm looking at them, and I, I really like what I'm seeing as far as uh, the way you guys have them ranked uh, by age and, uh, you know, j- just by position. Uh, what do you think uh, the draft is going to affect uh, the player positions? Uh, and free agency. Yeah, and free agency. I, I'm just I'm sitting there waiting waiting for free agency to start. I mean, every NFL fan out there wants to see this lockout end, but 
Um, you know, I don't have any players listed as free agents. I, I do have Jeremy Shockey moving over to the Panthers, but I, I still have most players still on their 2010 team. You know, I'm going to be willing to move those guys over, and then obviously you're going to have to break down all the situations. But I've got all those numbers crunched, so, you know, I can see some guys moving significantly up and down. The, very, the big thing about dynasty rankings is having these things be very fluid. I've got a system where I can just plug in some numbers and I can get a completely different set. Um, my plan is to consistently update these throughout the off season, also on a weekly basis um, once the NFL season hits. And hopefully we're still looking at that opening game, uh, New Orleans Saints at Green Bay Packers this week one. Yeah, well, that's what we're all hoping for. That definitely uh, would kill uh, all of the momentum we all are, are, are experiencing, and, and that would just be devastating for all of us. Um, another interesting player that you had here, uh, you know, again, we could talk about Lloyd all day because I'm telling you, you go over to ProFootballFocus.com and you check out some of these stats here uh, behind the drop passes. I mean, I had no idea how just efficient and effective this guy was until I looked at the stats and looked at how you guys compare them to the rest of the league. It'll just blow your mind. Sometimes these types of things are the are the motivation behind – some of the moves that you'll make in your in your dynasty trades in the offseason, just on a hunch. And a lot of these times, with a guy like Brandon Lloyd, you may be getting a guy that's undervalued. Now, the other counter-argument to this is that the quarterback issues. You know, uh, what kind of offense are they going to run now that McDaniels is out? What does that coaching tree look like? We've got to revisit all that. That kind of stuff that's not there, that that's bigger than the numbers. It has a lot to do behind the scenes. Uh, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But it's always interesting to see the statistics and then try to, do something with him. Mikel is sure. You guys uh, didn't really jump him out of the gate any, number 38 running back overall. I thought he was supposed to be a stud, Brian. Well, you know what, and here's the interesting point, Scott. Uh, we don't, you know, a, a lot of the guys that, that watch um, each game twice through and do all our rankings and come up with these stats, uh, you know, no, none of us are NFL drafts you know, scouts, um, you know, you can only go on what you what you read and what you, you know, watching any game tape you can get a hold of. I think, I think LaShore can be an effective back, but I don't think he's going to get drafted right out of the gate and be somebody's featured back. Uh, so I got some concerns there. Um, I'll absolutely tell you 100% this guy's going to move up from 38 once he's got a home and I know where I can, can slot him in. I think at the very least he's a, a 50-50 split guy his rookie season, and, and I can see him being easily easily a top five pick in uh, any dynasty rookie draft. Okay. Uh, that, that makes a little more sense. You know, uh, you know. again, these rookies, you got to start them out somewhere. The other rookie that he's being compared to, obviously, is, is Mark Ingram. And, guys, I want to just bounce out for a second. The Patriots, uh, apparently, they're, they're ready to pounce on Ingram if he's still there at 28. Now, the question will be, what other teams, so I go back and look in the draft and say, what other teams really need a running back? So, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on this, but, you know, I see the Redskins at 10, and, and I've heard rumors that, you know, Shanahan would have taken Locker last year at 4 if he would have came out. And, and so Locker's going to probably be there at 10. Uh, you know, Shanahan went offensive tackle at the time. Then you got the Lions possibly at 13 that might add that bigger compliment to best, but, I don't know. You know, the Lions have worked out a couple of running backs so far. They've worked out LaShore and Murray and Alex Green. And, and I could see them waiting and, and passing on that because that would be the kind of – that would be the Detroit Lions pick from a couple of years ago, you know, where they just couldn't get the draft right. I think the Lions are actually moving in the right direction. And I, I definitely want to see them either go defense or offensive line 
I think is the way to make the most sense of that pick. Uh, so you've got a couple of teams there that might. Then you've got the Dolphins at 15, but, but by all accounts you hear that Ingram, is, is, you know, the Dolphins are probably going a different direction. So then you have the Patriots at 17. Now they've declared that the 28 is where they're looking at him, and this is why the Pats are so smart. You know, they look between 17 and 28, you only see uh, one team that might need a running back, and that's the Colts at 22, and I say they're going to go offensive line. So the Patriots are really positioned nicely to snag on Mark Ingram at 28. What are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Ingram, Brian? Well, you got you kind of really broke down a lot of the uh, positions. I'll, I'll give a caveat to you here. I, I'm a Patriots fan, so I'd love to see Mark Ingram in the backfield over Green Ellis for us. But uh, – yeah, I, I could see a couple of those spots. I think 17 is a very realistic position. Uh, I've heard the, the Giants at 19, they might bring him in. Um, Matt Waldman, the uh, the great Matt Waldman from Football Guys, was talking on Twitter. He thought that a great fit for Mark Ingram would actually be the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, that kind of makes actually a lot of sense. Pierre Thomas is, you know, he's a solid back, but he, he's not uh, an elite guy by any means. So, you know, that makes sense. I think at the end of the day, I think Mark Ingram – is going to go in the first round. Um, I still, uh, PPR, non-PPR, I still have A.J. Green as my number one uh, rookie draft pick, uh, but I Mark Ingram is right there at number two. Mike, what do you think about that? The Saints, uh, they're kind of loaded with Pierre and Ivory and yeah. Reggie Bush still. That's a little crowded. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, – you know, I don't know if that would be a good move for them to make or not. Uh, they've got uh, other holes they need to fill, and uh, I'm sure Drew Brees is uh, pretty satisfied with uh, Ivory and, uh, you know, Pierre Thomas and things like that. So uh, I, I'm not so sure that uh, they might go a different direction, uh, not necessarily taking a position player, but uh, taking somebody else that can uh, help them out uh, – you know, whether it be offensive, defensive line. So, I, yeah, you know, I'm not so sure that, that that would be a good move for them. I think you go ahead and trust that defensive line, and, and you know, you address that defensive secondary that got absolutely torched uh, by Matt Hasselbeck. I think it's just a little crowded there for the Saints, and I think you got everybody healthy. You can't bank on all those guys being injured every year. I think you put Pierre and Ivory and Bush and you get them all healthy this year, I think that's a good – a trio, I think you'd just be wasting kind of a pick there. and You don't really need to do that. Your offense is potent enough. You're putting up enough points. The Colts at 22, Mike, I'm telling you what, Manning is the starter there for at least the next, I don't know, I think the guy's going to play until he's 40, to be honest with you. So why go Gabbard there? You know, I know people are talking about Gabbard, but why go Gabbard and let him hold a clipboard for five years? That doesn't make sense. No, I mean, uh, how can you – you can't go wrong with uh, Peyton. I mean – Peyton's going to be there forever, and uh, until he proves that he's not going to be there forever, then you got to go with him. I mean, every year, I mean, he's going to be consistent, and uh, every uh, every receiver or tight end. For instance, a classic example was last year uh, with Jacob Tammy filled in with Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark got hurt. Jacob Tammy filled in. It's system, guys, and Jacob Tammy just ran with it and did a masterful job. And that's because of Peyton Manning and the system. So, you know, Peyton Manning's going to be there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Brian, we're speaking to Brian Fontaine from ProFootballFocus.com. If you want to reach out to them, they are also uh, can be found on Twitter. 
the Twitterverse is a happening place to be, Mike. We made sure that in our FPA site development, Twitter is a very prominent part of the page. It's very important these days with all of the news and information that's out there that Twitter is, is a part of, of what everybody's doing. Jeremy Macklin at number 10 overall. This pick just makes me giddy, man, because I've got him in the 1250 dynasty. I love what he's able to do, and he, to me, he was the most polished wide receiver the year that Crabtree and uh, old uh, Hayward Bay were picked uh, ahead of him. Jeremy Macklin at number 10 wide receiver overall, ahead of Deshaun Jackson, who you have at 20. What What's the deal there? Predicting injuries? Uh, let's let's go here. Um, I'll, I'll let everybody know, and most people that know that subscribe to our site know that the guys that review our uh, game tape are not. I should, well, I really shouldn't call them not Deshaun Jackson fans, but you know they find a lot of faults with his game that he is not a complete receiver. He is a big play threat, um, but just consistently he has so many ups and downs. Dynasty leagues, you're looking for consistent performers, and uh, like you mentioned, Scott Jeremy Macklin is that player. Um, he's a player that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I've got him ranked 10 right now, but it's just more, more a matter of uh, situation than anything. And uh, I, for one, thought Brent Selleck was going to have a big season last year. thought he was going to be more involved, and Macklin really took the uh, the torch there and ran with it. Michael Vick showed that he can get it done um, on a per-game basis. It was just, you know, he, he won so many fantasy football championships last year. I think a lot of fantasy owners out there owe him a lot of their, their winnings. Uh, but Macklin's interesting. I, you know, I always I, I kind of compared him to a, a Reggie Wayne type when he came out of college from Missouri. I don't know if he's ever going to be that, that elite. I think he's always going to be that solid. You know, he's going to be in that 10 to 20 range in dynasty leagues. He's always going to be really valuable to have on your team. But I just I don't know if we're ever going to really consider him an elite option. He's a guy that, that may drop in my next rankings updates, but I still think he's a really solid player. Um, the number of targets this guy gets, too, um, he he doesn't get as many. I mean, he'll be he'll be lucky to break 100 targets, but with those 100 targets, he's getting 60 to 70 less than some of the elite guys, and he's he's putting up equal production. I mean, you got to worry if he's ever injured or is not getting targeted where he can fall off a little bit, but he's definitely a big play threat. Hey, Brian, yeah, uh, uh, just, just just to jump in a little bit, I was uh, going through your uh, wide receiver listing, and, uh, you know, I'm not uh, sitting there critiquing or saying this should be this or, this, you know, whatever, but uh, I saw uh, Anquan Bowden was uh, ranked 32nd. Uh, you got uh, San, Santana Moss and Santonio Holmes. You know, guys like that ahead of him, uh, why is that? Uh, a lot, some of that might have to do with age. Um, and, again, this guy is also a player that's really going to struggle to get 100 targets in, in Baltimore. Um, I he, I don't want to say that he's necessarily peaked. You know, he's a physical receiver. He, 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 he does well to get open with, you know, not having necessarily elite speed. Uh, Baltimore does not – not built to to have, to throw to one receiver 130 160 times, um, so that's where his value gets suppressed a little bit. And obviously, with the putting the dynasty spin on it, you know, possibly being, uh, let's see, his age is right. Um, you know, he's he's going to be 31 this season. Uh, you know, receivers are going 34, 35 nowadays, but you know, he's he's going to start to slow down, and he doesn't have that elite speed, so. 
uh, he's going to have to get by on, on route running and his physicality. So, um, yeah, he's an interesting player at rank, and he's one that I get asked a lot of, a lot about. So, uh, yeah, I guess I should have been prepared for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other tight ends you have here, Hernandez and Gronkowski, number six and seven overall. Um, you know what? You can't go wrong with either of these guys, right? So you've got them. Uh, you've got them up there. How do you see that whole situation playing out? They're going to be used all over the field. They're both going to be on the field equal amounts. How do you see that shaking out? Yeah, well, interesting you mentioned that because they actually were on the field a lot at the same time last year. Uh, Hernandez lined up uh, was one of the the players actually lined up as a tight end in the slot, one of the most in the NFL last year. And it's an interesting spot there because, uh, you know, the top five guys that I've got, there's a huge drop-off between number five and number six. And just the upside that those two percent, I mean, both of them are only 21 years old. Um, You know, they have their best football ahead of them. I think the Patriots offense can actually um, have two productive tight ends, uh, Gronkowski in that – um, I, I really don't want to call maybe necessarily a Jason Witten type, but, you know, the middle of the field. And I think Hernandez um, is, is really the second coming of Dallas Clark in terms of the, the role that he has. So, you know, there's an opportunity there, and especially with uh, with touchdowns, as long as Brady's throwing the ball there. You know, there's some high upside there. There's there's some players that are a little bit lower down there. I, you know, Zach Miller I really like. Uh, Jimmy Graham is a, uh, is a rising player, and uh, – I think I may even have him a little too low. I've um, the the hype surrounding this guy, and especially initial dynasty drafts that I've seen uh, so far this this uh, early in the juncture of the 2011 season. This guy is people are drafting him like he's a top ten tight end. And I'm drafting uh, Brandon Pettigrew like a top ten tight end too. That's just kind of my guy. That I've, I I mean I love Jimmy Graham, but his, his price is like through the roof. And I think I saw a lot from Brandon Pettigrew that basically his pedigree coming in uh, with with uh, his abilities at Oklahoma State, I believe he was uh, he was something else. And then to see what he was able to do and mature in that second year, because that first year, I'm like, hey, this kid is awful, you know. And then the second year, I really started to see him mature. And I think with Matt Stafford back there, I think he's the guy you you've got to put on your radar. He did score in both the games that Stafford came back in the middle of the season, scored both those games. So it looks like he might be his, you know, kind of go-to red zone target. Uh, and if you put some touchdown totals with his body of work, especially in a league like the FFPC, I think you'd be very excited about Pettigrew. Jared Cook's the other guy I'm really excited about with the late season surge. Finally, this yeah. kid comes around, starts making his moves, and looks like he's starting to learn the game and takes this thing a little bit more seriously. A lot of these kids, it's more than just talent. It's more than just ability. You've got to hit the playbook. You've got to work hard. You've got to be a professional. You know, you got to you got to soak it all in to really uh, to, to be a professional in the National Football League. So I really like to see uh, Pettigrew and uh, uh, Jared Cook emerge from the tight end position. Ahmad Bradshaw, you had at number twelve overall. I like what you've done there. Talk about Ahmad and what you see because there have been some discussions about what was last year. What do we make of that season we saw last year? Yeah, he's an interesting guy there, and you know he's kind of in a in a group of pretty fluid. Um, I, I figure after Matt Forte, anywhere from Bradshaw, probably all the way down to to Michael Turner. You know those guys are all kind of um, you can uh, you can kind of all throw them in a hat and, and pull them out. I, I just like what Bradshaw did last year. He's a short, compact runner, runs tough. 
I uh, was able to produce even with Brandon Jacobs still hanging around. And um, one, I wonder if both of those guys are free agents this year. So, you know, I'm projecting him to still be the lead ball carrier for the Giants next year. Obviously, with the draft, if they end up with Mark Ingram, I'm going to totally have to reshuffle my board. But um, he's a very underrated guy. A lot of people still aren't willing to consider this guy as an elite fantasy option because he was the seventh-round pick out of Marshall. Uh, but, you know, being the lead ball carrier for uh, for the, the Giants there, it's, it's got a ton of value. And I still think he's retaining a lot of that value as a almost top ten uh, dynasty running back. Oh, I'll be devastated too, buddy. I just traded. Um, I just traded uh, Andre Johnson, a guy I would never consider trading, but this is the year I finally did. I traded him for Ahmad Bradshaw and Mike Williams of Tampa Bay. So let's hope that doesn't happen. I'll be devastated. So, <laughs> Brian, hey, thanks so much for being part of Red vs. Blue, buddy. You really brought the heat. And uh, feel free to uh, everybody in the in the chat room uh, check out the site ProFootballFocus.com. Uh, any any last words you have before uh, before the send off tonight, Brian? No, I, you know I appreciate you guys giving uh, some uh, some kudos for our site, Pro Football Focus. I also do write for uh, DynastyBlitz.com with uh, with Andy Miley. We've got a side site going there. Most of my focus is on in at uh, Pro Football Focus. So if anybody, uh, I try to get to all questions on Twitter. Very active in dynasty leagues, and uh, I definitely appreciate you letting uh, you guys let me come on and talk to football tonight. That's great, Brian. Thanks. All right, take All care, right, guys. Brian. Take care, buddy. We'll, we'll see you soon and uh, come back anytime. That was Brian Fontaine from Pro Football Focus. Mike, I'm telling you, the site, you've got to check it out. They, the one thing that, I, you know, I spit off a lot of stats last year uh, throughout the season, and, and a lot of that came from uh, some of the sites like, you know, Football Outsiders and ProFootballFocus.com. They're the ones that do a lot of that in-depth analysis uh, to get you the the type of data that you really need to make that edge, you know what type of um, what type of how many offensive plays were they involved in? How many snaps did they get? Uh, not just play, not just targets, you know, because a lot of times targets is uh, just a little not deep enough. And so, you know, when you start to uh, make these questions, you know, in the middle of the season, like what's Mario Manningham up to, uh, and is he going to be able to uh, step into that role, or is Steve Smith the guy? And, you're trying to make these – well, go and look at the play count and the snap count and see what's happening there. Yeah. Who's getting more – who's getting involved in more snaps for the game? And a lot of that stuff can really be telling at the, uh, you know, when, when you need it the most. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, on this site, I'm looking at uh, every player right now. I'm just kind of perusing through it. Uh, you know, it shows you the age. Uh, the score The score is what uh, Brian uh, was talking about. They go through a uh, – formulated uh, calculation deal, and uh, that's the way they come up with it. And, uh, you know, I kind of – I'm I'm very uh, intrigued by it. Uh, there, there's one thing, Scott, that I want to throw at, at you, and, you know, I didn't get a chance to throw it at Brian. Um, the tight ends, it seems like there's a lot of upside with tight ends, and I, I think that might be because of the uh, – the wide receivers are, well, not afraid of getting hurt, but let's face it, uh, you know, the NFL, they kind of pulled back on the rules and, you know, they they said, well, you can't hit this guy this way. Do you think that the, uh, that the tight ends have become more valuable because the NFL uh, wide receivers are, for the most part, 
just having alligator arms. Hey, you know what, Mike? This was talked about last year. You know, we never saw so many tight ends getting drafted so early in these in these fantasy drafts. And the funny thing is, you know, so they their their stock went higher and through the roof in the FFPC and the FPC drafts because of that one and a half points per catch, right? Well, right. sure enough, though, all those big names and many of those big names disappointed this year. I mean, it was a it was a big letdown because of the injuries that struck down so many a big name. You know, Brent Selleck, a lot of people were drafting him in the fifth and sixth round, and then in the FFPC drafting him even higher, you know, third and fourth round. Yep. And to see hard. these guys under, underperform, I mean, it was devastating to a lot of FFPC teams that really hitched their wagon to the tight ends. You had Dallas Clark go out yep. with an injury. Uh you know, Zach Miller didn't really get it going until later in the season. Dustin Keller started fast and then really faded. Uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, you've got to be very careful with this stuff. Owen Daniels, you know, he had the injuries, and he was a, somebody that people were drafting very high. I mean, I think I think primarily tight end was, still did a good job. But, look, Finley went down. I mean, you had Finley, Owen Daniels, Dallas Clark, all these big names that went way early, along with the underperformance of Brent Selleck, and there were a lot of letdowns in the tight end field. So I think what's going to happen is that's going to come back to earth a little bit. People are going to see that, ah, you know, you've got to be careful about the tight ends. The overall scoring from tight ends did go down last year compared to 2009. This stuff is kind of cyclical, you know. It, game Defenses, game plan for it. Last year we had that. Dallas Clark. You know, we had, we had several players approaching that 300-point mark uh, in 2009, and, you know, and, and, and several over the 250 mark. That's what's made these guys so appealing. You know, you had you had five five tight ends acting like Pro Bowl receivers out there, and then last year that number came down to one. So you had yeah. five over 250, last year only one, and Jason Witten. So yeah. what are we going to see next year? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, but I, I, think, I think at the end of the day – people will come back to earth a little bit and start to take those wide receivers and running backs and let those tight yeah. ends fight a little bit and then, you know, wait for them to perform again. Once well, they perform again, the stocks will go back up. Yeah, and you're exactly right because, uh, you know, it seemed like, uh, what, four or five years ago there was nobody wanted a tight end. You couldn't you couldn't trade a tight end for anything. You couldn't get any a tight end for nothing. Uh, then we go through about a four or five year run of a bunch of tight ends where it's like, you know, everybody wants them. And I, I think they may be on the downslide. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just not so sure because I don't know, Scott, I, I'm just kind of talking and rambling, but, uh, you know, I still feel like that the, uh, the tight end value is there. You just got to go out and find it. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm going after my two guys, Pettigrew and Cook. There's other guys I'd like to see. I'd like to see Finley, if you could afford him, if you could trade. You know, there was one trade where I went and got Finley this year because, hey, there's not that many opportunities you get with Finley based on his price. And, uh, you know, Finley was out running routes this week and catching balls. And after surgery to repair the torn meniscus, I think in his right knee, he's dubbing 2011 as the year of the takeover, okay? So, you know, I paid Maurice Jones-Drew, Rashad Jennings, and Kellen Winslow. That's a, that's quite a package there for Sean Green and Michael fin- uh, and Andrew Michael Finley. Now, Mike, I'm uh, like I said, I'm I'm going out there on a limb. I uh, I really feel like Maurice Jones-Drew uh, for those uh, loyal, faithful followers of MJD. 
Uh, I have been all my life, you know, ever since he was a rookie. I think I drafted him at 111 in the rookie draft, and, and he wasn't uh, – people thought he was going to be too small. But I loved that team uh, that, you know, he played for UCLA, and it was just a great little bowling ball of a running back, and we took a chance on him, and we got rewarded. But last year I started to see something happen. Uh, number one, his receiving uh, – his reception fell way off. Now, that's a big thing for uh, MJD. He has to actually catch that ball. You know, if he's not going to get the touchdowns, he's got to catch the ball. And his receiving targets has always been a big force for him. He had 70-something receiving targets in 2009. And, you know, 2008, uh, obviously he had 60-something catches. These are the years where he really powered his way to the top. Well, last year, with Rashad Jennings and uh, Deji Karim coming on board, uh, he only got 44 targets, 44 opportunities there. So that's taking a hit because Jennings is getting a little bit more work. Uh, the knee, obviously, he's still got 300 carries. So do you see him getting more than 300 carries next year? I sure don't. So I think the receptions are going to take, take another hit. He was down to 34 receptions last year, and I think that's going to continue to go down. So that's why I did it. I don't know, Scott. Uh, you know, his carries may stay the same. Uh the factor that uh, he's not uh, getting those receptions that hurts, but he's not—he's not getting those receptions because they're, uh, you know, they're building a team around uh, some better wide receivers with him. So he—he—he he, he doesn't have to get those dump off passes so much. Uh, you know, they're—they're they're getting uh, better receivers. Uh, they're getting a better tight end with uh, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, there a lot of pieces are being put into place which is detracting from uh, what MJD is going to do. Uh, oh, would I take yeah. MJD right now? Yeah, I, I would. But at what cost? So, you know, that, that's just a – you know, that that just tells you what the the scheme of things and, and how it works is MJD's value has gone down that much this quick. Yeah, it, it definitely has. Uh, if you look at initial dynasty startup drafts, he's being drafted – late second, early third type round. And that's, you know, that's a shock to a lot of people. But when you take a, when you take a closer look like I have and, and you start to piece together that, hey, the ages, you know, he's not, he's not an old court, uh, running back, but he, he has been heavily involved with the receiving and the, and the rushing combined stats, kind of like a Marshall Falk. I think he's a great, great kid, great back, going to be good. But, you know, when I, I want to build my team around somebody that doesn't have the significant knee injuries of the past. I want to build my, my team around somebody that doesn't have uh, a downward trend in the receptions. Uh, I just I just think that's what powers his game. And I think I see, like you said, there's other parts around him. Mercedes Lewis is becoming a big red zone threat there. Mike Thomas is a receiver that I'm, I'm gaga about. I mean, they're, they're getting rid of Sims Walker this year. And Mike Thomas, you're going to see a next elevation to Mike Thomas. 5'8", the kid ran 4'3", Deshaun Jackson's speed at the combine when he was there. I mean, he was him and Mike Wallace and, and Deshaun Jackson were the fastest players there. So this kid has the speed. They just need to add another receiver to him that doesn't ghost out like Sims Walker did. And, and I think you're going to see that in the draft. They're going to try to address that. Um, uh, I don't know who they're going to go with, Hankerson, maybe Little, maybe so, one of these young kids, maybe this, Randall Cobb. I don't know. Scott, this, this is a team, you know, when I really start to look at this Jacksonville team, they're not that far off. They, I mean, they showed it last year. And uh, they are not far off for being not just uh, competitive to making the playoffs, but going over and beyond. This team is not far off. Well, 
We'll see. Some people would say they're uh, they're they're headed for the basement. You know, that's the that's the cool part about the NFL, dude. You know, you could be top in the division one year and then be at the bottom the next year. So that's that's kind of what makes it fun. So anyway, you know, like I said, I took uh, Finley and Sean Green. The other part of that deal is Sean Green. You know, from what we've heard, the plan is for Sean Green to become the starter and take the bulk of the carries for the New York Jet offense. You've got Sanchez getting a little uh, a year older in the offense, getting more comfortable. Hopefully, not asked to do as much. Uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, uh, the desperation that they showed this year in a lot of those late games, uh, it was just it was unbearable to watch seeing, you know, that offensive line not do what they did the year before. So hopefully they address that. LT will definitely become the primary third down back while they're going to help groom McKnight for a bigger role, right? I mean, he really matured there at the end of the season, and I think you could see him take over that. Uh, take over that receptions role. Now, that is the concern with Sean Green. Does he get enough receptions? Uh, his receptions were at an uptick last year at 16. I think that will probably go somewhere in the in the mid-20s uh, next year. So, you know, it's, it's a two-part deal. I did it for Jermichael Finley, but uh, it, is a, it is a two-part deal. Mike, let's talk about the schedules that were released. We talked about the Saints and the Packers. I want you to give me a winner in each of these games uh, that I found pretty interesting. I'm going to write them down, and we'll just refer back to them. Later in oh, the year, it. Dallas at the Jets, opening weekend, September 11, Dallas at the Jets. Obviously, I've got the Jets. You've got the Cowboys. No, no. I, I think the Jets Jets come out oh. balls of blazing just like they did this year. They're going to win probably, uh, I don't know, I see, I see the Jets going 6-7-1, uh, and one, something like that, and then they're going to kind of fade away. Okay. All right. But the Pittsburgh at Indy, what a great game that's uh, been over the years. Roethlisberger healthy, Peyton healthy in Lucas Oil Stadium. i got to take the Colts here. Me too. I'm t- I can't believe we're on the same side on both games, but uh, I like Indy in this game. Uh, you know, Crawford, he's going to make sure that this team is ready. This is – I really believe that this is going to be Indianapolis's Real run at the Super Bowl. I mean, as far as real run, I mean, this is what they need to do right now and right here. This is it. Giants at the Jets on Christmas Eve night. What a game that's going to be. Uh, boy, I would love to get to that game. Uh, Fireman Ed will have something to say about that Jets crowd. But uh, Giants at Jets, Eli Manning, Mark Sanchez, and the cast of characters there. You think Rex Ryan will have that team fired up? Oh, I guarantee you he will, but uh, I'll tell you what, you, you said Christmas Eve, right? Yep. It's in December, correct? Yep. That means Tom Coughlin and the Giants win games. Okay. The Giants win that game. All right, Chicago at Denver is an interesting game, Mike. Apparently you'll have uh, Jay Cutler rolling back into Mile High or Three Mile High or whatever you call it. <laughs> They're back rolling into Denver. Uh, Jay Cutler and the Bears against the, the Denver Broncos. I'm going to say that uh, Denver has a little something-something for them. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'll say Denver, too. Uh, I think it could be a low-scoring game. I mean, it's hard to, you know, predict that far in advance, but uh, it's it could be a low-scoring game, but I think Denver Denver's going to be good enough to beat them. Finally, the Eagles uh, and um, the, the former, the Andy, the Andy Reid uh, new hero quarterback in Michael Vick 
goes back to his former town to take on Maggie Ice, Matt Ryan, and the Atlanta Falcons. you got to talk about a ruckus crowd in Atlanta being ready for Michael Vick. Who do you pick there? What week is that, Scott? I don't have it in front of me. Is it after week seven? Good question. You know? Nope. The reason I say that is because Michael Vick will not be around after week seven. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to take Philly. You're going to take Atlanta. I'm taking Atlanta. ATL. Well, that's interesting. You know, uh, uh, Brian did have Michael Vick, number two quarterback overall in his rankings, and and that was the concern. Will he stay injury-free? And and playing like he did last year, you have to think that, that, uh, man, it's just how long can that hold out? And So I I hear what you're saying. Mike, the the main concern – for the league this week, the players feel like they're not being represented by the Players Association. Funny, who'd have thought that? You know, 70 mid-tier players have committed to a law firm. We hear of players from at least 16 teams taking on high-interest lockout loans to cover costs. And, Mike, this didn't take long. The owners owners feel like they're winning. Yeah. You know what? And uh, they should because – you know, in this particular situation, I heard that about a week ago about the players taking out those uh, high-interest loans. We're talking loans like 20%. I mean, crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, the owners, are they're like, okay, all right, we got them, we got them, we got them. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't come down to this. Uh, but then again, about a, about a year ago, uh, there was a lot of tenured players saying, now, guys, you know, you get you you got your money here, so just chill, relax, because you you better know what's coming ahead. I've heard rumors that Tom Brady, you know, he's close to Bob Kraft, and I'm, you know, he Kraft's done a lot for that family, and Tom Brady, and and I've heard rumors that Brady's going to join the ranks of Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and try to get some solidarity here. These three super heroes of the players get together and lay out some demands with the owners. Uh, do you think Peyton, Breeze, and Brady, if they form some kind of super alliance, can get this thing done? Yeah, well, I do if if they're listening to their uh, compadres, if they're listening to their uh, teammates and, and, and what they want. Not what Brady and uh, Breeze want. It's what the entire uh, NFL uh, PA wants. If those players want that, then – They'll put this. I mean, they'd be more than happy to send uh, Brady and Breeze uh, to the table, as long as Brady and Breeze are looking out for the entire, all the players, not just themselves. And that's something's got to be very. Uh, they need to watch out for. All right, Mike. Uh, Cole McCoy. Let's talk about this kid here working out with some teammates. Uh, Josh Cribs, Muhammad Masakwai, Brian Rubisky, Carlton Mitchell. I kind of like Cole McCoy. What I saw from him late in the year. I mean, let's face it. You know, throughout that that season, who would have expected um, you know the Browns to beat the the Saints like that and, and beat Drew Brees when nobody was expecting it and to play the Jets tough and to win several big games there. Colt McCoy played really well, better than expected, but I don't hear anybody talking about, you know, Colt McCoy being one of those up-and-coming quarterbacks. I like what I saw from him. Yeah, I I like what I saw. Um, 
you know, it just depends on the schedule. Uh, I don't have their schedule right here. I, I can pull it up real quick. But uh, it's going to be a lot different schedule next year than what he faced yeah. this year. I, I, yeah. I can guarantee you that. And uh, that's going to make things uh, very difficult. But uh, what I saw from him uh, was a lot of composure. Uh, and plus, I mean, it doesn't hurt uh, having that back that he had. I mean, Peyton Hillis, it, it doesn't hurt having him behind you at all. Yeah, that's got to help a rookie quarterback. You've got you've to feel good about that. Listen, I made a trade last night. I wanted to get your feedback on. I'm going to go ahead and, and pull it up here. I, you know, I, I'm buying into the Austin Collie hype myself, and I and I went after him. I traded D'Angelo Williams straight up for Austin Collie the other day. Uh, I've done just about anything I can do to get Austin Collie in just about every every league I can get him. Uh, after talking to Wayne Ellis, one of the good friends of uh, the program here, uh, Colts fan, you know he's uh, he's he's just as high on Austin Collie as as, uh, as uh, Brian is, and I traded Austin Collie or for Austin Collie, gave up my 2012 first, uh, my 2012 second, and my 2012 third for Austin Collie, Eddie Royal, and his 2012 third. So basically, I gave up a first and a second for Collie and Eddie Royal. What do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, I, I saw that, and uh, that was pretty interesting. Uh, it don't seem too bad. It seems like it's pretty fair on both ends. Uh, you know, you're giving up a lot uh, to get a lot, and uh, yeah. you know that's kind of the way these uh, that that's kind of the way these trades work out. Um, so uh, I mean, I, I, was I don't talking know. To, I, was, I just I was talking to Wayne. You know, uh, this kid Austin Collie, when push comes to shove, and you look at Bear Brass. Brass tax here. He's Peyton Manning's number one target. The days of, you know, you've got Reggie Wayne right there. You've got Dallas Clark right there, who will be back in the fall. But let's face it, Peyton loves throwing to Austin Collie. It, it reminds you of the days where, you know, you had those seam routes uh, that, that Peyton was throwing to. But this was more than seam routes. He was lining up all over the field and playing just very good balls. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Peyton uses him this year. Uh, quarterbacks are, are, are a tricky bunch this year. Vince Young. Not welcome back to the Titans, even though Chris Johnson was lobbying for him. Coach Mike Munchak said, uh, no way, it's not going to happen. Can you see a team taking a chance on Vince Young? Let me run these stats by you, Mike. He's a two-time yep. pro bowler and a rookie in 2006. His first two years in the league, he was 17-11, and 11, 21 TDs, 30 picks. And in those 18 games, Mike, he rushed for 950 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, he was a dual threat. The last two years, it's kind of a reversal. He's been winning games, 13-5 and five in those 18 games, only 10 TDs and 18 picks. So he's way off on the accuracy, and he only has 400 yards rushing and two TDs. He's a totally different player, Mike, not as effective. I just can't see anybody taking a chance on Vince Young. Well, you know, I can't either, but Vince Young, is, he has to realize that he has to realize his role. And he may be one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Because, let's face it, Scott, every team needs a backup quarterback. Every good team, mid-tier team, they have to have a backup quarterback to fill that role. And Vince Young needs to realize that, that he may be the backup quarterback. Yeah. Listen, they're talking about Kyle in the chat room. Can I just say, you know, when's the last time you saw somebody that young retire uh, from concussions? They're going to fix the helmet. Don't worry, guys. 
Peyton's going to figure out how to get him uh, in a little bit more space, and they're going to fix the helmet. I think Collie's going to be fine. I'm not going to go into predicting injuries. Now, the big deal last year was McNabb to the Redskins. We've got about 45 seconds here. I'm going to run through this. Mike Shanahan, that didn't last long. If McNabb is still on Washington's roster, the day after the first regular season game, the Redskins would have to decide whether to pick up the $10 million option. That's not going to happen. So I see him going somewhere. McNabb may be willing to give back that bonus So he, can, in exchange for a release. I see him going to the Vikings, Mike. Uh, I, I think that's a, I think that's a done deal, and that's where I want to end it. Mike, you've been great as always. Thank that you to the crew, the chat room, Brian Fontaine from Pro Football Focus. Mike, we'll see you next week, buddy. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. to make. 
uh, when a receiver is 30 years old. And you know what? Uh, one of these years has to be his peak, and I think we've seen it. Uh, I, I think it, from this point on it's going to be good seasons, but it's not going to be as good as what we've seen in the past. Uh, I, I really like Josh Freeman this year at quarterback, so I'm doing anything I can to get him. Jay Cutler and Aurelius Ben were the were uh, what I gave up. Two guys, I, I you know, decent uh, fantasy dynasty guys. I gave both of those guys up for Josh Freeman. You're seeing a theme here where I take a quarterback to give this guy back a quarterback in return and give him a project upside wide receiver uh, in Aurelius Ben, who, you know, is going to be good, but I see Mike Williams as the undisputed number one on that team. So I'm giving up a number two in Jay Cutler uh, for Josh Freeman. Uh, I already mentioned the uh, Eddie Royal and Austin Collie trade for the round one and round two picks. I'm going to jump over to another league real quick and give you a couple of other dynasty trades uh, to send you off here. Uh, I traded Visanti Shanko, Rashard Mendenhall, and the 2-7 for Ryan Matthews, 1-5, and the 4-5. Again, this is another trade that I feel really good about. Uh, and getting the 1-5 was really the, 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 the part of the deal I had to have because I'm really high on Ryan Williams. If I don't get Ryan Williams, I'll happily take Mikel LeSure. Uh, the fact that I could get LaShore and Ryan Matthews and really only have to give up Mendenhall in a 2-7. I'm not worried about the Shanko pick. Mendenhall on a second rounder for Matthews and LaShore, I'll take that type of trade all day long. Here's a trade where a lot of folks think I gave up too much. And, you know, I kind of agree with them, but at the same time, I want to put my dollar on the line and say that Austin Cawley outscores Maurice jones drew in 2011. 90 catches, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Austin Collie outscores MJD in 2011. I got Austin Collie and the 112 rookie pick, which is going to be one of those flyer running backs like I got with MJD for about you know six years ago. I'm going to take a 112 rookie running back. It could be a Todman. It could be a Vereen. It could be you know anybody that's there. Jock Cliff Rogers, I doubt he's there, but you never know. It could be Taiwan Jones that slips down that far. You just never know how the draft's going to shake out until we see what happens. So I'm going to take the 112 rookie pick in Austin Collie, who I think is going to outscore MJD in 2011. Um, another trade I like, Blair White, I got rid of for Jacoby Jones. Uh, again, I think we didn't get to see what we thought we'd see from Jacoby Jones. I think there's a lot of talent there. The question is, is Jacoby Jones willing to work hard enough to get it? The talent's there, absolutely, without a doubt. We've seen it. The question is, will he work hard enough to get it? Uh, and if he does, if he figures this thing out, he could take a couple of steps forward while Andre uh, possibly takes a step or two uh, back in the other direction. Uh, finally, uh, again, I've been telling you, I've been going after Austin Collie in just about every league I can get him. Austin Collie and Anthony Dixon I acquired for the 110 and the 210 rookie pick. 110 and 210. 110, getting Austin Collie for the 110 is an absolute steal. If I had to say straight up right now, what would I want? What would I pay for Austin Collie? I would pay about the one seven rookie pick. I wouldn't like it. If I absolutely had to, I would trade the one seven rookie pick for it. I wouldn't like it, but I would do it. Uh, that's all for this show. Uh, enjoy uh, the podcast. I hope you had fun. We'll be back next week. We've got a couple of good guests lined up, and uh, you know what? Uh, the SPA website is coming along nicely. I can't wait to reveal to you a couple of the great ideas, including the first ever. Uh, officially licensed FPA trading player cards. It's going to be uh, a phenomenon that I don't think you're going to want to miss out on, gang. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and that's what the FPA is about. Until next week, I'm Scott 
back and see you next week.